Hey, y'all. Hi again. It's Set, and today I've got Sam. And we went the route of pulling a card again. And Sam pulled the Possibilities card. And the Possibilities card has this eagle flying over this vast, like, desert mountain landscape. And the card says, Mind can accept any boundary anywhere. But the reality is that by its very nature, existence cannot have any boundary because what will be beyond the boundary? Again, another sky. That's why I'm saying skies upon skies are available for your flight. Don't be content easily. Those who remain content easily remain small. Small are their joys. Small are their ecstasies. Small are their silences. Small is their being. But there is no need. This smallness is your own imposition upon your freedom, upon your unlimited possibilities, upon your unlimited potential. And this is the two of fire, I believe, from the minor arcana in, like, the regular tarot deck. So we're starting out with the crazy shit again. Sam, how do you feel about that? The possibilities? Yes. Uh, I like it. I like that it's positive. Um, you know, like it says, small mind, small small person, I guess. <laughs> it says small mind, small person? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't tell if you said small person or small prison. I did say prison, because that's how I think when I think of that, like... When you're making yourself smaller, I feel like you're just imprisoning yourself. Like you're closing in your own walls. I don't know. Are you going to say it and say, I don't know? It's like, no, because that's just how I feel about it. Like, I feel like when you're lowering yourself or, like, making yourself more contained, it's like the walls are smaller. Okay, when you're making yourself contained. Okay. It's like you're creating walls around you. So that's the don't be content easily. Yeah. Okay, that's the part The part that uh, catches me is don't be content easily, where to me, there's a one part of like being happy with the small stuff, because to me, the small stuff is what makes life meaningful. Like when I think about the stuff I appreciate, it's very mundane, but the not settling, um, like being regular without being mediocre, like to be content easily is to be mediocre and remaining small because then you get small joys and how do you how how do you appreciate the mundane without becoming mediocre is what I think of with that um and I guess that's by exploring the possibilities because I guess exploring the possibilities is how you learn what what it is you find joy in and you learn where that balance of regular to mediocre is but if any of y'all have any thoughts on that hit me up at set muhammad more everywhere and let me know what y'all think uh today i have my friend sam aka samwell aka maester with me and sam i met sam working in a fintech a financial tech call center and sam is a lead in that call center so if um you call and ask to speak to a supervisor I want to speak to the supervisor um that's who you get you get one of the leads and we're like okay and I'm gonna let you speak to the supervisor they're really a lead but we're gonna call them supervisor and you get transferred to a Sam so Sam oh you know what let me check I don't think there were any questions but let me check to see if anybody else did have a question nope not as of right now, because it was only, like, lunchtime. Yeah. But you've worked there how long now, Sam? They shall remain nameless, so I'm sorry if you thought I would name it, but I'm not. 
Yeah, three years. Three, I was going to say glorious, but that would be a very big lie. Um, <laughs> three very substandard years. Very substandard. <laughs> yes. Uh, three years I've been there, and I've been taking the escalated calls for majority of that time. Um, more than, I think I only took it non-taking them for seven months. So for majority of that time, I've always been the one to be escalated to when there's an issue arises. Was this one of the possibilities that was uh, on your horizon when you started there as an agent? Yeah, actually, when I started, yes. When I started, I had two five-year plans. I was like, if I have to stay in this this domain I was in of a call center, and then if I wanted to exit out, um, what steps I would take. And my journey took me down excelling up in the current call center. And so I was like, eventually I knew this would be where I would go because I have management experience too, and usually they go hand in hand. And I was mostly looking, I was driven by monetary more so than anything. Um, but yeah, I knew this was going to be my trajectory of eventually. I was accustomed to it. Given that Florida is a right-to-work state especially, um, at face value, that call center does pay pretty well. When they start piling on all the responsibilities they give you now, that's when, like, responsibility compared to just straight-up amount, that that goes down. But just, like, dollar amount compared to other jobs, given what minimum wages in Florida, it's like, hmm, could be much worse. But also, it is a call center, and also it is customer service and it is raggedy yeah yeah both the conditions and um the callers and the callers and the callers and the clients themselves yeah what is something that you wish that people understood about customer service in general honestly i wish people would empathize more that we are people taking a call for you and trying to help you in the best of our scope we're not your bad day. We're not whatever tragedy is going on in your life. We're not your punching bag. And I don't think people, and I was guilty of this a little too. I would have a shorter fuse before I started taking, you know, before I worked in a call center. When I would call customer service lines, I would get a little bit more annoyed quicker than I would ever now. Because you don't put in the perspective of, this is a human you're talking at the end of it, you tend to project your anger at whatever the product is you're calling about. And I wish people would just breathe and remember whomever you're talking to is limited in some fashion that it's not their fault or they're not particularly malicely trying to take their bad day out on you either and not help you. They just may have limitations. What do you think is... um a common misconception that people have about calling calling into customer service lines or call centers in general that is just not true in your experience? <laughs> I love the whole, the customer's always right. <laughs> that has to be the biggest misconception ever. And like majority of people, and I got this even in retail, everybody was just like, well, I'm the customer and I'm right. So what I want is what you're going to do. And I'm like, it doesn't work like that. Like, it doesn't work like that anywhere in this world. 
why that's do you think only America? Yeah. Why do you think that's okay here? And even in America, it doesn't work like that. Where can you go that you're always right? Like, I'll wait. <laughs> Nowhere. I mean, to be fair, because of that pervasive attitude, I think there are very many spaces in America where, where companies kowtow to customers and where the customer service representative gets shit on because of that. Because it's a very pervasively American attitude that you don't, you don't even get um, employees kowtowing to customers that way in other countries. Fucking Digicel in Trinidad, this uh, one of the two main um, mobile providers, will I've been hung up on by them. When I got built out of airtime that I paid for, when I because I bought one of their SIM cards the last time I was visiting, instead of just using my T-Mobile at the time, these bastards just straight hung up on me. And the customer is never right in Trinidad. It doesn't matter what it is. It's a government office, whether it's the pharmacy, whether it's a mobile store, the customer is never right. And it's not like they don't have the same expectations there as customers that we have here. Like, oh, every place is supposed to accept card. No, places accepting cards, including clubs, is a luxury. It's more um, prevalent for like a, a nightclub or a bar or something to accept card. But it's not an expectation like it is here where people act so fucking inconvenienced if you don't accept a card. And then what people don't realize, um, and which we know from working in a space that deals with credit cards is that those businesses have to pay more because of processing cards. And when you as the end user are using your um, high rewards card, your platinum, your gold, your titanium card, you're costing the business more and they pass those costs on to you. So when they're making you pay with cash, you're actually they're trying to keep their product costs low for you, but you're acting so inconvenienced, but you think the customer is always right. And so they do things like make cards accepted. So even even though like you, you say like, oh, the, cus- the customer is not always right everywhere. In a way, the fact that most places accept card, they kind of are. And they, they just pass on the cost to the consumer because they all ex- expect, they, overall the consumer expects to be able to use their card everywhere. That's a good point. That's true. They do accommodate on levels to keep the consumerism going. Yes. Um, but I think what I think just frustrates me the most with it is like anywhere you go, they have a policy, a return policy. They have something that they, they, they stick by. Even in retailers, when you go there, like you're not going to take back the scraps of meat you ate and then be like, it wasn't good yeah. enough. And I feel like in call centers, you get that more. Mm-hmm. The expectation is, well, let me give you my scraps and then tell you how you're going you're gonna to benefit me and take care of me with it. And what I hate to hear the most is, it's 2019, technology means that I should have something in two days. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> well, Amazon does blah, blah, blah. And for uh, elaboration, folks, so this call center, this particular part of the call center is a credit card rewards program. So if you have a credit card enrolled in a program, some programs do like airline miles, so you can get trips. Some of them, 
you can get merchandise on this one. You can get merchandise is one of the, the main things, right? And so you use your points to purchase stuff that gets sent to you. And because a lot of these people have Amazon Prime, they get stuff in two days. We are not Amazon Prime. Well, not we. I don't work in this bitch. But <laughs> I left that bitch. <laughs> but if you order, the standard time is not two days unless you paid for expedited shipping with your points, right? And it's in the terms, like the terms and stuff, you can tell a regular ass person wrote the terms and the FAQs if you bothered to click them. They're actually not for, I will give this company credit in this case, the terms and the FAQs are actually not buried like they are in other places. Um, and they sound like they were written by a regular person. So if you actually look, it says what the lead time is on shit. And people just don't bother, even as they pretend like they've clicked around on stuff and, and try to tell us what it says. Um, and so nowhere does it say that shit is going to be one or two days. They just assume because they use Amazon, they're going to get shit in two days. And they're like, well, Amazon, blah, blah, blah. When you're like, well, I'm not Amazon. Yeah, that is my common during the holidays. I use it all the time. Because in most services do do the timeline which we're doing, but also we're a product of rewards, which it's an incentive again for consumerism to keep you spending. So it's not necessarily, it's not, a, it's not, it's not a benefit, but it's more just a perk to keep you to keep swiping your card. And it's, in this particular case, it's a program offered by your bank or your credit union and, and, to get more particular, it's more like your regional or local bank or credit union. So smaller ones. So not like Big Capital One, Bank of America, Chase. They're going to have their own program. These are smaller ones that don't have their own program, so they outsource it. Um, so it's literally to get you to keep swiping your card so that the banks make money. Because when you swipe your card, um, merchants have to pay banks. It's called interchange fees. And... The banks make money off of that. So fucking credit card rewards programs are literally just getting the banks more money, right? And so when you call up a, a customer service line and are arguing about this, you're just arguing about making the banks more money, right? So the, it's literally not the same thing as Amazon. No, so you're just using the points that you're earning because you make the bank money. And so it's there's no comparison, and, yeah, that's, that's all on that point. But what do you, what's another misconception that you think people have about customer service or call centers that you'd like to dispel? That's a good point. Um, Maybe something you've seen in a meme or you've heard people say, like something people might repeat as common knowledge or that they just assume based on their own misinformation. A lot of common misconception is, I love it how they're like, they act like we're just going to put them on hold and never come back. Oh, yeah. Memes give that away. <laughs> Everybody makes it seem like you're going to call in, or like the whole time is because I went on break, and just was like, I don't oh, care, yeah. and he's waiting. And it's like, when you get that person after they've been holding for a while, they're so, they're like, I hate this line, but this is common. I had to wait, so now somebody, and so now you're gonna wait on me, and I'm like, yeah. all you're doing is perpetually making everybody else wait longer. Yeah. Like, just let me help you, let me take care of you, let's move on. 
Another thing, I think people, and this is kind of controversial, everybody expects you to be of a certain ethnicity or of a, a certain, um, speak a certain way and behave a certain way on the calls. And you see it all too commonly how people use their bigotry on people in call centers. And it's, it's horrible. <laughs> it's literally one of the reasons I'm not there. Like, I picked up that job for a reason. And I was, like, going to stick it out for a certain amount of time. And I'm not there anymore. And that's partially one of the reasons. Yeah. And both of those things you just mentioned. Yeah. And it's, it's oh, it annoys me so much. Because, like, I go by, by Sam. So all the time I have to hear, so is that Samantha? And then sometimes I'm a real asshole. And I'm like, no, it's just Sam. <laughs> And I literally had a lady, she was probably like a thousand, and she was just like, I don't understand. I was like, my name is Sam. She's like, like Samantha. I'm like, no, like Sam. Your mother named you Sam? Yeah. Like, for ten minutes, she couldn't (laughs) go by the concept of my name wasn't feminine, but I was a female. Oh, well, that's when I love to hit him with the get extra cheery and hit them with the yes ma'am what else can I help you with <laughs> yeah and I tried and like in the end she apologized but I was just like why is this any of your concern it's none of your business it, it who I am outside of this call what I look like what my weight eye color name any of that should mean nothing to you it should mean nothing to you. All it should mean to you is that I did a good job, I took care of your concerns, and we moved along. But there's this common misconception like you have to put me in whatever box you feel is appropriate for the workforce. And I'm just like, no, it doesn't work like that. I... Hmm. That's one thing that I wish that people would realize calling over a phone line that just because you have somebody kind of captive on a line does not mean you get to ask whatever the fuck you you want. That certain stuff is none of your business. I don't care how curious you are. Yes. Where I got my name from, none of your business. Where my family is from, none of your business. I don't care how curious you are about my name. It's my name. It does not matter. My gender. Also, I'm not your sweetheart. Oh, nothing triggers me more than being called honey or sweetheart. Or terms of endearment. I'm not your honey, your sweetheart. I'm not those things. I don't mind to an extent because some of it is culture. Where I, I mind is when it's condescending because it's going to, like, usually if it's coming from um, from old white guys and even often old white women, old straight white women, they'll be condescending. Um, when it's coming from people of color, it's usually more like uh, auntie or grandma-like or like uncle-like, and so I don't mind. Like, there's just there's a huge disconnect between when people of color do it and everybody else, and so it, it comes through. So if you're going to be condescending to me, like, fuck you. Yeah, I'm like, if you're going to be condescending, call me by my name. Don't call me honey or sweetheart, but yeah. yes. When it's like, some... don't just try to soften your condescension. Yeah, like, if you're going to be a dick, be a dick. Put it out there. Like, let's make this public. Don't, don't try and hide behind what you feel is going to shelter that. Don't do that. Just, yeah. just go, if we're going for the jugular, let's go. <laughs> yeah. If I had a dollar for every fucking time I was asked about my name or my name, there, 
there were so many times I almost quit at when just because of being asked my, about my fucking name. Like, no, one, some of you same motherfuckers calling up asking about my name are the ones that call up threatening us. Even if my name is short for something else, if I'm going by set and I, it is short for something that's more unique than set, do you think I'm going to tell your ass on this line so you can go Google me so that when you're fed up <laughs> with something um, that you can Google me and to figure me out? Because if it's more unique than set, you can probably track me down. No, no, bitch. Not going to happen. Exactly. And people, they're like, oh, is that your real name? You do hear that. Even like for common names like Samantha or Sarah, you hear, is that your real name? And it's like, for some people it is, but I'm like, this is why people can't even, for their own safety, have to be careful about using their own name. One, because you never know if somebody's going to barrel some insult based on their own prejudice at you. Or two, because, yeah, you don't know if they feel a certain kind of way what they'll do to seek you out. Yeah. And also, like, do you really think you're going to get my last name out of me? And your last name? Nope. Uh, Not permitted to give that out. And the more times I got asked for that, the happier I got to say, but I will gladly give you my operator ID. Because, no, the... Fairly early on there, because I started at the holidays, um, and I, I went back and looked at my call volume the first month I was there, and, like, the first month I was there, I was not there for a full month, and I still had, like, 800 calls in, like, a couple weeks, because it was the holidays, and it was so fucking much, and they were so terrible. I, my sister told me I was speaking in my sleep when I would fall asleep. And I had a fucking dream, like, was it the next month or was it still holidays? I had a dream that somebody was, like, shooting up the place. It was, like, the, it was the call center, but it was in a giant field, and I had a call. And the person was, like, talking about something. And I was like, wait, they're describing what's going on right now. And I was looking, and then I realized, like, no, they're here right now. And at that point, I was like, oh, and get this. This is how shitty the training was, though. Um, well, I'm not going to say necessarily the whole training, but the shit that you didn't get actually told in training, that, like, we never explicitly got told, do not give out your last name. It was not until we were on the floor that, like, leads and escalation leads were like, no, just give them your operator ID. When I asked, like, do we just give them our EID or something? Um, because I'm not giving my last name. But, like, didn't even get told in training because it wasn't, like, explicit, don't give your last name. I just was like, that's not happening. <laughs> yes, no. Just like I don't like it when they're like, where are you from? I don't even give the area. <laughs> I give a whole different city. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something that I wish people um, understood that – Y'all call up lines and act so fucking miserable that it actually stresses people out. And I know that people call up hotlines and they get people that are miserable, but people, by the time you get them, like, if they actually are genuinely rude to you, like, it didn't come out of nowhere. And granted, like, people should just not be dicks to you, period. But 
I can't tell. I'm, I'm sure maybe it's happened sometime, but I don't ever answer a, a call just being a dick to someone. And if somebody, like, you answer the phone and somebody is just being a dick to you right off the bat, it's very rarely. Like, I, unless you're just calling just the shittiest of places that has no standards whatsoever, very rarely is a call just open like that. Like, when the kind of people that I hear talk about calling call centers that they're just like, yeah, they're just so rude every time you call, are the kind of people that complain all the time. And when you call a call center and you open with, I'm having a bad day, that's not how you call and you open a call with. If that's how you call your friends, I'm having a bad day you open up with, I hope, your, if that's how you call your friends and open up a call with, your friends deserve better friends, honestly. Agreed. Because like I said, we're not a therapist. We're customer service. We are specifically trained for a specific line of whatever you're calling for. We are not, we're not a therapist. We're not a therapy dog. We're not equipped to take on your emotional baggage for the day. On top of times you buy, like you said in the holidays, a hundred people. And dude, I have dead ass had calls open with, I'm not having a good day or I am mad. Or you're the fourth person I've talked to and all, it's not like they called in, I'm not the fourth person they talked to when they called into us. They were calling their bank and their bank didn't know who to get them to. And half the time that they've spoken to four people and then gotten to us, at least half the time, we're not who they need to be talking to either. And so, but you're getting mad at us and I understand your frustration that you are frustrated with the situation, but if we are not who you're supposed to be talking to, and particular because this is having to do with banking, and if you are not calling about your credit card rewards and you are having a banking problem, we categorically cannot fix your problem. And while I am very sorry, I'm not who you need to be cussing out, and I don't know why you're asking for the manager only to be told that we are not who you need to be talking to so that you can get more frustrated. And here's what I wish people understood in general. It's applicable to life. You're inviting frustration into your life when you refuse to accept what people are telling you. Like You are calling in to a line where you're supposed to be deferring to somebody else's knowledge and authority, and then you're disagreeing with it, right? So you're just inviting suffering. You're, you're choosing to suffer. And then when you ask to have it escalated, let me speak to the supervisor, let me speak to the manager, to be told the same thing, and you're like, well, I want this, I want to speak to somebody higher than you. You're just, you're just adding aggression to the world, and you're making yourself miserable. So even though you say, I want a more peaceful world, or I want a better this, I want a better that, you're actually inviting more of what you don't want into the world because of the way that you're acting just because you got an answer you didn't want or you don't want to have to take responsibility for the situation you now find yourself in. Yeah, I love it when they're like, I'm frustrated, so I know it's not your fault, but I need to take it out on you. I've literally been told that. I know it's not your fault, but... Or um, what's the other one? Uh, I I don't mean to be nasty to you, 
But, but then they just go ahead and be nasty. Yeah. And I've literally had people tell me, like, I know this isn't your fault, and I know you didn't do this, but you're the one I'm talking to, so you're going to get the brunt of it. And I just want to be like, hold on, stop and pause. Think about what you just said to me. I'm not the one who did this, so you're making a cognitive choice. A choice. You know you're making a choice to be a dick. Now you can proceed. Like, I just want to do that to people. We can't, but I would love to. Because, like, you are. You're making... There's no excuse for that behavior. Like, that's like saying, I was really pissed off, so I kicked my dog. Then you don't deserve a dog. (laughs) Like, I was really pissed off, so I, you know, I hit my... My whatever. I put a hole in my wall. That's your wall, dumbass. Like, <laughs> who does that help? I low-key did once. And it was the lady that you didn't believe had cancer, but I believe she did. Because she, I believe, I just believe she was one of those people that it, she just became very bitter in her end of life. Because the complaints she was making, um, it was just like she was angry with everybody. Like, she was complaining about... Like, nope, I already have this, have that, because my husband just buys me jewelry. Like, she literally sounded like, from what she was saying, that her husband was showing love through um, giving gifts, and her love language is not giving gifts. And she complained about how she liked her sister's Fitbit, and her sister wouldn't buy her one, but, um, but she took care of her sister all her life, and now that she's in the, the end of her life, that because she, she didn't think she was going to beat the cancer, but I let her know she had enough points for a Fitbit, and that's when she got really happy. But she was like, and they've just talking about whoever had been rude to her, and I said, and my voice was very like even softer than my voice usually is, and she was saying how the, she so and so had been rude to her, maybe like the bank or whatever, and I was like. Because I was just, like, literally, you could hear the, if you had pulled my call, you could hear the wind was out of my sails, and it was already late at night, and I was like, sort of like you're being to me now, ma'am. I was like, I'm doing nothing but trying to help you, and you've you've just been going in at me to the whole call, and her whole demeanor changed. That was the call that I actually, I put it through to you because she actually wanted to give me a kudos. Yes, I remember that but call. But that call started out horribly that call ended up because she was one of those people that wasn't going to let you off the phone i had that her for like 20 or 30 minutes because she was having me pick out the stuff and that like she she didn't even realize what exactly she wanted and then i told her the feature of like two other things and it was then it ended up being exactly what she wanted but her whole demeanor shifted because of how softly i told her she was being rude and it actually did shift. Like, I'm sure exactly what I did would have been what a superior would have told me not to do. It would have just told me to keep taking the abuse. But, like, what she was doing was verbal abuse. And I softly told her she was being rude. And the, that's when the call actually shifted. Was when I, well, I told her that she was being a bitch, basically. And, like, that's something we should implement in customer service in general. Is because everybody talks, again, about, like, all oh, the customers are right. And that's what the mentality is when they're calling in or when you're going places. You're basically walking in like, I get to do what I want and it's martial law and I'm the marshal. <laughs> and my thing is then we as the workers who have to endure should be able to go, okay, honcho, but just keep in mind, you want something out of me and you want it with a smile. I would not come with vinegar. And people just, they don't understand that concept anymore. Like, I don't know. I think it's just 
I don't know if it's a control thing. I don't know if it's a, like you said, her whole life she felt shit on. So she was like, I'm going to take this opportunity to shit on somebody until somebody was like, hey, you know, you're doing what you hate. She didn't even think to maybe adjust. And that's, that's something that's like when you're calling into places, like think about that. You're not the first call this person's going to take, and you're not the last. So being abusive or rude isn't on them. It isn't even on your situation. It's on you. Like, you're making that, that choice for somebody who just said hi. They just happen to pick up the phone. Like, you don't have to be... You don't have to be the story at the end of the day on a podcast about how <laughs> shitty you were. <laughs> and, and to be fair, not all callers are shit, but I think enough of them are for it to, um, to really matter. Because I think overall, what people don't understand about customer service in general and call centers in particular, so even customer service in person, like at a Walmart, at a store in the mall, is that it is a fairly traumatic profession. And not necessarily just because of it itself, but because over time, the repeated, like, the repeated abuse that you're subject to, and then the, the, coupled with the monotony and just the bullshit that you're expected to over time add up, like, they have a cumulative effect of, like, emotional trauma on people. And sometimes you do experience, well, many times you experience outright abuse from people, both verbally and sometimes physically. Um, and with call centers in particular, there's this aspect of it because oftentimes it's remote or virtual and people, you're not seeing people. So people act a certain type of way. It's like the comment section of the internet, basically. Yes. Because people have no sense of act right. They have no chill because they can't see you. <coughs> and we were talking about this earlier, but in the military, what they have seen is that with their remote pilots, like their remote drone pilots and stuff that drop bombs from afar, is that they have higher rates of PTSD. Um, and I, I believe this is true. I will drop it in the show notes if I find something different or link out so you can see these statistics for yourself. But they have um, equal or higher rates of PTSD than their live um, war pilots because there's just something different about doing things remotely that seems to be more traumatic for humans than actually interacting face-to-face. There's a, a call center in Tampa, Florida that does the reviewing of stuff that gets reported to Facebook. So all y'all keyboard warriors that report people's stuff that you disagree with, um, take note of this. When you report people's stuff, actual humans have to look at that stuff. Um, so it increases their workload. So on top of the legitimate stuff like fucking kitty rape or animal abuse that has to get looked at, an actual human that has to look at that stuff also has to look at the stuff that you just reported just because you didn't like. So take that into account the next time you report something. But all of that bad stuff has to get looked at. And there were, the last time I knew, three former employees at that um, center that were trying to bring a class action lawsuit because of the traumatic effects of that job, because both the workload and the subject matter of that job are traumatic. And those, some of those people have gone to other call centers, including the one that I was at, and they have ended up being fucked up from working at that job. And 
there's just a different type of stress when you're doing something remote where you're subject to people's aggression that I think there's a lack of appreciation for. Um, so if you get anything out of this part of the podcast and this episode, I would say to like have a bit more compassion for people that, um, that do shit for you, especially if you can't see them, but that also have to deal with problems that arise from the things that you purchase that they didn't create, that they're just trying to help you this, through the solution and also assume their best intentions, that they, um, when they're telling you that this is not possible, that the, the solution you want is not within the bounds or not allowed, that they're actually telling you the truth because nine times out of ten, it's in their best interest to actually get you the solution you want. Because one, if it's on a call, whether it's in person or on a call, if you're happy, they're better off. If it's on a call, the shorter their call is, the better off they are. So the longer you stay on the call, the worse off it is. If they are seen to be arguing with you, the worse off they are. So if it seems like they're arguing with you, they're probably beating themselves up the whole fucking time about it. I know anytime that I was doing anything resembling a back and forth, I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. How do I make them see the point that I'm trying to make without them thinking that this is a lie and without quality assurance thinking this is an argument? Exactly, because a lot of the... Like, that's something, again, people... If you do get anything out of it, is we aren't just there to answer the call and just hear you out. We also have a whole back-ended of things that go against us. So, yes, it is always in our best interest to leave you happy and to resolve it as quickly as possible. But, yes, the longer it takes and the harder it is to resolve, just because you're angry and you want to take your anger out on somebody, the more we endure, not only at your hand, but now at the parameters in which we're supposed to obtain. So now you've put us in, you've put somebody in an even worse situation because now can they not only calm your temper, which they're not prepared nor trained for, they also now have to figure out a way to make up the time that's lost and the marks that are going to go against them all because you're pissed off at a situation. Like, there's so much more behind the scenes people have to do. And I understand people are like, but I want whatever the product was and I want the service. But I'm like, the world is much larger than that. We're not just whatever service or consumer item we took. Obviously, if we're trying to help you, we're trying to help you. It's not... It's not like we're, we're not there to ignore you because that doesn't help anybody. Our best interest is to help you get you happy. But we also are limited, like, as a whole. Yeah. I mean, there's some stuff, like, if you're going to come on the call and say, I'm mad. Or if you're going to complain about another entity, like, for example, calling the credit card reward center and you're going to complain, say the bank is shit, like, it, we're not going to help you, like, browbeat the bank. So... If you can't think of something quick to say, like there might just be silence. So in that regard, might have nothing to say. But other than that, 
people generally want to help you. Some may just want to do a middling job, but there are a lot of people that actually want to do a great job. A lot of them end up burning out or quitting um, because they just get sick of the bullshit. But people generally, even the people that just want to do an average job, just to do an average job, it they still want to be helpful. Because to do an average job... Um, it's easier to be helpful <laughs> just to do an average job. Yeah, it's easier to do what needs to be done than to go against the grain of everything. So everybody wants, even those who just show up and they're like, I'm going to do my hours and go home. That's all they want to do. They want to show up, they want to take care of it, and they want to go home. Nobody wants the nonsense in between. Yeah, and it's easier to do that without being a dick. I feel like it takes more effort to do that, to be a dick. And even the times where you may have been short with, uh, with a caller um, or a client that you realize after the fact, you do genuinely feel bad. And because you're like, oh, I could have done this better. So n- nobody genuinely, gen- genuinely, generally, where are my words? I need food. <laughs> nobody generally wants to be a dick. Um, but yeah. To, enough of the negative. What do you think are, I mean, not to judge it, but it's just kind of a, I think it's, it's a bit of a, an energy suck to talk about all of the shit that's like yeah. wrong coming, because there's so much wrong yes. <laughs> coming out of a call center. <laughs> but I do think that if you are somebody that gives a fuck and you've worked in one long enough, that there's some shit that is beneficial to take out of it. What do you think are some um, communication lessons that you can take out of working in a call center that you think will stick with you or that you can apply to communication outside of a call center? You definitely learn active listening better. I was not the best listener before I worked for a call center. Um, And especially having to take escalated calls and calls where people are angrier, I now have learned better how to listen to people and wait my turn. That's something they teach you. Day one, don't interrupt. And you never realize how much you interrupt people until you, you're not supposed to. And the beautiful thing is now when I talk to my friends or my family, I feel like I'm more engaged with them. And I actually understand points they're trying to make better because I'm actually actively listening. I'm not waiting just to respond or for my turn anymore. Like, I'm actually listening. And I'm like, okay, you know, relating and is being able to hear them. Instead of just being like, when's it going to be about me? <laughs> that's real. I think that's how many people communicate, so I think that will resonate with other people. Um, well, I think if you live life right, people eventually will start to actively listen more. I hope it doesn't take people working in a call center to figure that out, because that's a <laughs> hard way to learn that lesson. I think one lesson that I would take away or hope that people could take away just from listening is that if you're getting the same answer from multiple places or multiple places are telling you that whatever you think a solution should be is not the solution, assume they're not bullshitting you. Because I think that there's many times in life where we think something is supposed to go a certain way and we bump up against four different um like four different directions where it's not working out or somebody tells us no or tells us it's not going to work this way Uh, or like four people that are supposed to know better than us and we just think that everybody's against us yes yeah and 
that or and just make them out in our minds to be our enemy and create this whole story about how they they don't give a shit instead of thinking how they're right <laughs> or not assuming that they're our enemy we don't assume best intentions or just better we we don't assume anything and so instead of doing any of that we just assume the worst and from taking that out of a call center I think that depl- applies, where the fuck are my words today? That applies directly to life. Like, if you keep bumping up against the same thing multiple ways, instead of just trying to plow on ahead, just pause and try to figure out if there's any merit to what people are saying instead of creating a story and a narrative about how they're against you or about how shitty everything is. Try to figure out if you need to redirect. Yeah, definitely. Also, read your terms and conditions. No, I'm just <laughs> I mean, for real, though, because some sites have ac- actually short terms and conditions and written in plain fucking English. And another thing, there's a, actually a lot. I know it's very tedious, but get to know, like, especially if you're being in consumerism, get to know your return policies. Understand what those are and maybe try to respect them a little just because... In the large scheme of things, they are probably intact for the better of everyone. It's probably better because then the company can keep costs down by not allowing damaged things to come back six months later instead of 90 days later. Um, You know, rewards programs may say, if it's not defective or damaged, we can't take it back because people tend to be fickle. And understandably so. But when that happens, now if they continuously have to take back items that they can't resell because they're used, costs will go up. Mm -hmm. So respecting the boundaries of of like and learning and educating yourself on those policies when you're shopping in certain areas will allow you to appreciate that the business is in return looking out for you, even though it is giving you a minor inconvenience at this time. And we're not trying to be pro like big business here. And Maybe with online business, you've cut your losses and you're like, fuck those terms and conditions. I'm not going to read them. But the smaller scale version of that would be read the receipt at your local shops that you go to. Like whether it's a, a smaller big box store or your mom and pop store that has the return policy printed on there, read the return policy on there because since it's in um, person, you're more likely to take it, take something back if you picked up the wrong item or if something was damaged or defective when you bought it, just get in the habit of reading that. So even though you may not regularly return something on the off chance that you do have to, on the time that you actually did receive something that was damaged or defective, it'll already be in your mind because you're in the habit of reading. It'll already be in the back of your mind what those terms are because you know instead of putting it off and then finding out that that thing you actually spent quite a bit of money on this one time is something you can't take back, even though it was damaged through no fault of your own. So, yeah, fuck those terms and conditions if it's something you're buying from Amazon and you're like, I already ate that cost. But if it's an artisanal item that was fucked up when you purchased it and you just didn't realize it when you walked out the store, why should you have to eat that cost when they should have also double-checked that when you walked out the store, you know? Definitely, yeah. And it's just it's more positive for everyone involved. And also knowledge is power. So any knowledge you can make of yourself, why not? Even especially like in the day and age of consumerism, 
knowing their policies is a knowledge that can be very lucrative for you in your, on your behalf. Also, this is all, I think, applicable. Like, all of the considerations of what goes into customer service on the end of the person giving you good customer service or bad customer service and terms and conditions and returns and stuff is also useful to you if you are somebody that provides a service or is building a business as well. Like, these are all considerations um, but you need to make at some point because at some point there's going to be an end user or a consumer or a patron, like if you're an artist, somebody that you're going to have to think about reaching that is going to be in the position of the folks that we're talking about now or ourselves as the person that has provided customer service. So they're all things that you can consider now. I know this episode may have been a little disjointed, but hopefully you got something out of it. I don't think there's much more that um, I have for you right now. I just hope you got something out of it. And if you made it this far, thanks for rocking with us. Is there anything else that uh, you want to add, Sam? Yeah, hopefully it's just really relatable. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you uh, got anything out of the episode, you can holler at me at, at Set Muhammad Moore um, online everywhere, mostly Instagram, set at setmohammedmore.com. And if you uh, listened to the last episode and you want to help the podcast gain some traction, leave me a review on, in particular, iTunes and Google Podcasts, but we're also on uh, Spotify. You can't leave me a review there, but on uh, Pocket Casts. Just leave me a review on whatever platform you enjoy the podcast on to help other people find it. And, uh, yeah, tell your friends about it. Send it to them. Text it to them. Don't just tell them about it. Text it to them so that they can actually click the link, like click that little share button and send it to them so that they can actually click it and listen to it too. So thanks for rocking with us and love y'all. Take care.